You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I don't think uh, we really understand where we are. Just north of us, people are going to prison for having a little meeting at a church. In other countries around the world right now, it's illegal to do what we're doing right now. At one point, they were saying it was illegal for us to do it, but we did it anyway. So, you're going you're to see while I'm up here for the next 29 minutes that I'm going to maybe do a lot of moving and yelling and shouting and screaming because I get 29 minutes to get you just as excited as I am about what God is doing right now in our church, in our nation, and what he's about to do. So that's why in these moments in worship and the offering and communion and, and preaching, we should get a little bit more passionate, I think, than what we are. Because we are living in the best days to be alive, I think, on planet Earth. People think it's the craziest time. I think it's the best time. Of all the times to be born, God chose us now. Because he must have believed that we're crazy enough to see some change, to do something big for him. So anyways, as you can tell, I'm a little bit passionate about it. I'm passionate about church and about this house because this house dramatically changed my world. Not just my life, but my world. That Just the fact that I'm standing here, the fact, I don't know if you've seen my wife, the fact, I mean, and my, and my kids and my daughters and, and who I am and who I get to do life with. I was telling Pastor Jurgen this the other day. I said, of all the places, because I love my country, I, I signed up to die for my country. It's like all I wanted to do was, was, was be and serve my country because I love it so much. Because we are a beacon of hope still to the rest of the world. And, and I was telling him the, the other day, of all the places that I could have been born and all the places that I could have been sent and all the churches in the world that I could have gone to at the time that I went to and of what is happening right now. How amazing is it what God is up to? So it's not a mistake that you're in this church. It's not a mistake that you're in this city. Our city, San Diego, is starting something that will travel across the rest of the world. As we're speaking and worshiping and praying right now, it's going to Australia and Arizona and around the world, and people are feeling courage again, saying that God is not done with this world yet. He is just beginning to do something extraordinary. Amen. All right. Okay, you can take a seat. You might as well. Or you can stand the whole time. It's 26 minutes, people. Uh, you can stand that long probably. Wednesday night, Wednesday night service. Wednesday nights are fun. Wednesday night is the first service that we came to uh, 15 and a half years ago. We had no idea what we were doing. Just someone said, there's this amazing church, Australian pastor. So we walked in, there's 20 people in the room, and I sat there with my jaw dropping thinking, what is happening right now? I went up to Pastor Jurgen afterwards, and I said, anything you want us to do, anything you want us to do, let's do it. We want to be a part of this. And now it's not a mistake, like I said, that we are here in something that is revolutionizing, I think, the way church was meant to be. I think along the way, the church lost its way, 
and thank God that Pastor Jurgen put his hand up and said, I'll, I'll volunteer to help show them the way again. So anyways, so I, I love my church. I love my pastors. I love where we are. There's no place that I would rather be. I mean, I love the mountains and hunting and all of that, but this is my home, and this is because God has called us for this time. It's, it's easy to live in places that aren't so hostile. It's easy, but God hasn't called us to do what's easy. So I love my pastors. I love Pastor Matt and Michaela. They are, they're so fun. And, and they're fun to be with, to do life with. They're fun to feel encouraged by and challenged by. I love Dr. Matt because he will push you to be who he knows God has called you to be, whether you like it or not. Well, wait, I didn't want that. Like, I know, but you needed it. And without Pastor Michaela, who knows what Dr. Matt would be doing right now, but... <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. No, but we have learned so much from them. And every time that we are around them, we, we feel inspired in our lives and our businesses. And I think most, most of all in our marriage and in our faith and our love for God and everything like that. So we love you. You guys are amazing, amazing. And my beautiful wife who is stunning. She's the hard worker. Okay, sorry. 24 minutes, let's go. You guys are going to stay up. Is that cool? We got 24 minutes. Go with me. Wherever those singers were, bring them right back out again because we're just going to do this thing, okay? Like, if you got to be ready to sing, you can't be back there ready to sing. So, all right, open up your, your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, uh, the title of this message is Courage Under Fire. In fact... In fact, I had this message again, man, it, I, I want to preach this message about having courage in this time, and now courage is coming under attack. And then we started this series called That'll Preach, and basically one of the, the themes is taking movies and themes that are in movies and saying that'll preach in life. There's a movie with Meg Ryan called Courage Under Fire, and so as I thought of this title and I heard what the series was, I'm like, this is from God and needs to be talked about and encouraged and preached about today. So Courage Under Fire. We all need courage. We all need courage. And uh, it's, it, you know, everybody's afraid of something, right? Everybody ha has that little bit of, oh, man, I don't really like that thing that much. For me, it's falling from high places. Like, I'm not pumped about being up really high places and jumping off, but I still do it. It's crazy, but I still do it. Because a long time ago, I made a decision that if something made me afraid, I was gonna do it, because I didn't want the fear to master me. We have four girls, and right now there's a lot of things that they wanna do, especially our oldest ones, who's really, who's really careful about everything. She thinks about everything and thinks there's a danger in it. So we try to instill in them, we want you to do something that you're afraid to do, so that that fear is not ruling over you anymore. And so in Joshua chapter one, this is God speaking to Joshua. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the, this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. 
Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, You may that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is wherever you go. God, right now, we thank you for what's about to take place over these next few minutes in, in this campus. God, I thank you that those who are struggling with discouragement, those who are struggling with fear, God, those who have lost their way, that today, you're the power of God would intersect in their world today, that you would intersect in their life, you would encourage them, you would bring faith, you would bring strength, you would bring healing, you would bring boldness in Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so this whole moment right here, Moses is dead. Moses dies, and God says, Joshua, you're the guy. And the first thing he says to him is, I need you to have courage because what you're about to do is going to require a great deal of courage, just like right now. Because we live in a place right now where fear is gripping everything. Fear is projected everywhere. Everywhere you turn, it's about being afraid of this thing and that thing and this way and that way. And God wants us to be filled with courage in this moment. He wants us to feel courage so that we can do what he has called us to do. Right after that moment, if you guys could do this for me, your, your song, start playing that, all right? I don't want people falling asleep. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to, I had to switch it up, okay? I had to switch it up a little bit because then we, we can do this. Thank you, God, for what he's about to do. God says to Moses, be strong, be courageous. You're about to do something that's impossible to do. A few chapters later, you see Joshua head up to this city called Jericho. Jericho is an impenetrable city, a city that nobody's ever taken down before. Nobody's even attempted to because of how fortified it is. When he gets to that city, God says to Joshua, Joshua, I'm delivering this land and this city into your hands. He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to walk around this city one time every day. You're going to put people out front. You're going to put priests out front. You're going to put the Ark of the Covenant out front. The people are going to walk around. They're not going to say anything. For six days, they're going to walk around this. On the seventh day, they're going to walk around it seven times. And at the end of that seventh time, they're going to shout, and the walls are going to come down, and miracles going to take place. All of us talk about that story and preach about it and how magnificent it is. And a city whose walls were impossible came down when people walked around it and obeyed the voice of God. But when I read that story as well, I think about all the people that missed out on what God was about to do because they were too tired to get up and walk around the city. See, I, the Bible doesn't tell me, but I know people. I know people. We can't get to church sometimes because we're tired. 
I know people in this moment because I believe God said, walk around this city, and they're thinking, oh, my feet have been hurting real bad. I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to sit this one out. And that's a lot of times what happens with fear in our world. It's the same exact thing. We let circumstances and excuses keeping us from seeing what is impossible fall down. We let reasons in our world. What reason is keeping you from making a stand right now? See, we, we look at certain people say, it's okay for them because they, they can speak pretty good or they have a platform or you don't know my situation. You don't know that if I was to speak, I might lose my job. What is keeping you from saying what you know God has called you to say? From being who God has called you to be? What is the reason that we are not doing it anymore? What is the excuse that is bigger than our God? What are we so afraid of? See, I know that I know the people here that on the first day people sat out and said, you know what? I'm gonna hang back at camp. I feel sorry for people that hung back at camp during Awaken Conference. Because at Awaken Conference, I feel in the spiritual realm, we saw Jericho fall down. I feel sorry for the people that miss out on a Wednesday night service or a Sunday service at Awaken Church because every time we're missing out on a greatest miracle every day. I wonder how many people on the first day said, hey, nothing happened, so I'm going to sit this one out. I wonder how many people gave up on day two. I wonder how many people complained because they couldn't talk, because they didn't know. God spoke to Joshua, but I don't know how many of the people knew what they were doing. And they couldn't follow because they got tired, because they got discouraged. But what I want today is, is for that courage can fill your heart, can fill your mind, can fill your soul, because right now we are walking around in Jericho. We're trying to see it come down and it takes some faith from some people. How many walked day one, then on day two quit? Because the price was too high. How many of us in here, if we're in our small circles, in our family circles, we'll talk about how messed up things are. How messed up whatever it is that, that's going on in the world, whether it be abortions or government overreach or these crazy lockdowns and everything like that trying to keep us from the house of God. In our small circles, we'll talk about it, but we're too afraid to post about it or to shout about it because we don't know. We don't want to lose something that we have. See, how many of us are afraid to really commit to this house because we don't want to step out of our comfort zone too much? There's a story in the Bible of a man named Daniel. Dan Daniel was the man. The Bible said he had wisdom. He was excellent. That there was nobody that compared with him. So much so that everybody else, all the other rulers in the king's house, got afraid and got they, they felt like they were they were less than Daniel. And Daniel was replacing them in everything that they were doing. And so they put out this decree, and the king signed it, basically saying, if anybody prays, because they knew that Daniel prayed to the one true God, and they said that if anybody prays, he'll be thrown into the lion's den. So the king signed it, and they brought that decree to Daniel. They showed it to him and said, hey, Daniel, check it out, man. If you pray again, we get to throw you to the lions. 
And check out what Daniel did. Now, now, when we read it in the Bible, we think it's a great story and it's awesome. But do we understand that we are living in that moment right now? We are living in it. But Daniel does this. Daniel, Daniel sees the decree. He understands that if he does this, his life is forfeit. Daniel goes home. And if Daniel maybe was a little bit smarter, he would have just prayed in his mind. Because God can still hear you praying in his mind. But Daniel went home not to show God that he still loved him. He went home to God down on his knees. And the Bible said that he opened his windows up so the entire city could see. That nobody tells me who I worship and when I can worship and when I can pray. He was not facing only a cease and desist order. He was facing his life. He didn't just close the door and pray in his room. He opened it up and said, everybody, look up here. Who's trying to silence you right now? You know you have a voice. You know you have a passion. You know there is something inside of you that needs to come out. There's a fire birthed in you, and now is the time. That's why I said it is not a mistake that you're here at this moment, at this hour, at this time, in this church. God has put inside of you something to say, somewhere to be, some place to go, a person to lead, a city to influence, an office to run for. But are we too afraid of what we might lose instead of what could we gain? We read about the people who are written in this book, but I know there were more that were not written in this book because they decided when the king put out a decree, they decided to go home and stop praying altogether. But Daniel understood that he serves the one God. And if any king contradicts what God says, God wins every time. Courage is seen when running is an option. It's hard for me to listen to people that say something that have nothing to lose. Like it's pretty easy being bold, but you got nothing to lose really. Courage is seen when running is an option. Calvin Graham served in the United States Navy in World War II. He was on a ship that got in a battle with the Japanese Imperial Army or Navy. They got in a battle and a missile came and and flew and landed in the middle of the ship and created a huge cavern inside of the ship. Calvin Graham was one of the people that fell into that hole. He got knocked unconscious, woke up, was bleeding, ripped his shirt, wrapped a bandage around his head. And as he was coming to, he looked down and saw all these men that were hurting and needed help below him. Dozens and dozens of men. Instead of Calvin Graham, he was hurt, he was injured, he could have sat this one out. But instead of doing that, he spent the entire night, one by one, picking guys up, picking guys up, picking guys up, carrying them out of the mess that they were in, one by one, one by one. All night, dozens of people's lives were saved because of this man, Calvin Graham, that even though he was injured, even though he had an excuse to sit this one out, he decided to stay in the fight because people needed him. The greatest thing about this story is not what Calvin Graham did. The greatest thing about this story is that he was 14 years old when he did it. He faked his birth certificate to get into the army because in those days, in those moments, when, when there was a draft, when they found out that there was a war going on and that we needed to fight for the rest of the world, you could not keep men away from signing up. A 14-year-old boy 
much as I'm willing to fake my birth certificate to go to jail because my world needs me, my country needs me. That is what courage looks like. What is our excuse? Are you not gifted enough or strong enough or know about the Bible? See, God is calling you and telling you that he will speak into your spirit right now. He will give you the words to say. Moses could have done so many more exceptional things if he would have just said, God, I can't speak, but I'll still go. I will still allow you to speak through me. Fear finds a reason not. Fear finds a reason not to. But courage heads directly into the storm. Fear finds a reason not to do it. Why you shouldn't, why we can't. So how do we find our courage? How do we find our courage? And I gotta go quick. There's a woman, the Bible says she's sick. She's sick, she's been sick. She's seen every doctor. Every doctor, the Bible says, instead of getting better, she got worse. She got worse, and then one day, if you read it, the Bible says that she heard that Jesus was coming by, but there was people gathered around her. The Bible says that she got up from where she was, and she went, and she pushed through the crowd. The Bible says she pushed through the crowd and just touched the hem, the edge of his garment. And as she touched it, healing flowed from him and into her. And immediately what doctors couldn't help, what physicians couldn't heal, immediately she was healed from that very moment right there. Now you have to understand the courage of this lady to do it. The courage of this lady to step out from where she was. When you're unclean in those times, it is illegal to touch one person. If she would have touched as many as she did, she had a death sentence waiting for her, but yet she still got up from where she was and pushed through a crowd to get her healing. And I looked at that and said, why? What made her do that? What guarantee did she have that she was going to get healing? And then I understood that for so long, she wasn't allowed to go to church. She wasn't allowed to go out. She wasn't allowed to be with her friends. She, she only, only thing she could do was stay at home. And the only thing she could do was meditate on what she knew, the scriptures that she knew every single day that were being preached to her and recited to her and memorized to her. And she had her Bible at that moment. I, I believe she had her Bible, that she had these scriptures in her mind going through playing over them again and again and again and again and I believe that when she heard this man who could be the Messiah is walking through town I think she remembered what her Bible said and her Bible said that the Messiah is gonna come with healing in his wings and that when you get near him healing is gonna flow to you that word in the Hebrew wings is another word for tip so she knew that if I could just touch the hem, the edge, the tip of his garment, then I can get healed. Because in her moment of discouragement, her moment of fear, what did she have? She had the word of God with her the entire time. How do we find our courage? What does the Bible tell us? What does God say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. God can do bigger things through my world. What does God say to you? That's where we get our courage from. That's where we get our strength from. People not just like Daniel, people like David. David, a teenage boy who walked onto a battlefield in front of a giant and said, man, if God is for me, who or what can stand against me? I'm about to take this guy out. I feel courage. I don't just feel like, oh, I, I guess I have to do it. David said, I get to do it. I was born for this moment. This is why I'm here. This is the platform I've been given. This is the responsibility I've been given. That is all of us in this moment. 
It's not a mistake that you are here in this city, in this moment, for such a time as this. But for those who've lost our courage, uh, and I'm about, about to finish this, and then we're going to pray for a few people. For those who lost your, their courage, uh, another story, Joe. The Bible says that as the enemy was occupying the land, a little bit like what's been taking place. The Bible says that Job was threshing wheat. So he was trying to get the chaff off, separated from the wheat, but he was doing that in a wine press. A wine press has walls, has sides. A threshing floor is meant to not have any sides. It's meant to be on a high place, an open area, because as you do it, the wind comes through and takes all the bad stuff away. But because Job is afraid at this moment because he doesn't want them to see what's going on, he's fearful at this moment. He's in a wine press where nobody can see it, but when he's up there, the wind can no longer do what it's meant to do. And as that takes place, he's now having to do it in his own might, in his own strength. And it's, it's, a, it's a moment that, that God, I think, chose and destined from the beginning of time to intersect Job's life at that very moment because he was trying to show him, look what you're trying to do in your own, in your own strength, in your own mind. Because you and I were never meant to do this thing alone. It's not about, oh, well, I don't have the best decree or I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say or I, I don't feel like I'm equipped enough to do this thing right now. See, what we have to do is connect with God like Job should have been doing. He should have been in a different place where the wind, where the power of God could have blown through their life. How many times are you and I hiding because we're too afraid to step out because we think just like Job that I'm the least, I'm the last, I'm insignificant, I cannot do this. But we all know the story of Job. He got out of the wine press he connected himself to the power of God and the Bible says that he didn't just get out of the wine press but then he went and took down all his daddy's idols that his dad put up see when we get out of those fear when we get out of those things and those struggles that we're in you and I can connect ourselves to God and then start seeing the miraculous take place See, I want to fight not just for me and not just for friends. I want to fight for my kids, for my great-grandkids, for everybody that's about to come underneath me. Listen, I want to tell them when my grandkids are sitting on my lap and they ask me, Grandpa, what did you do? What did you do when you could have sat it out? Because your business was providing for your family, and if they would have closed that down, then what? I had a reason to sit it out. But I knew in 50 years I couldn't look my grandkids in the face telling them that when the courage was on the line, I chose fear. I want to be able to look them in the eye and say, I chose to go after God. I chose courage. Courage is under fire right now. People want to shame you for being vocal, for speaking out, for being passionate, for being passionate for the unborn, for being passionate for the church. But now is the time to change that. Courage will take you places you've never been. Courage will make your sword cling to your hand in a field. And when you should quit, you continue to fight. Courage will cause you to open your church doors. Courage will cause you to have a men's conference, the biggest in the world, in the middle of a shutdown. Courage will make you believe things that you never believed before. Courage will make you say things and do things and go places that you never thought you could go before. Courage will not lead you down the path of loss. It will lead you down the path of victory. It will, courage will keep you standing when you have done all you can to stand. Courage is what the world is looking for right now. And the world is looking at the church at this moment. 
If they try to shut us down again, what if instead of waiting to see if the church will open back up, why don't we, as congregation and as people, just show up to church and start banging on the doors and say, let us in, let us in, let us in. Nobody will tell me who I can worship. Nobody will tell me who I can worship. Courage. God has anointed you for this time. So let's stand to our feet. All right, we're going to sing this song. I want to pray for three groups of people, if that's okay. Here's the three groups of people I believe God wants, wants to anoint tonight. The first one is anybody in the education department, anybody, any teacher, principal, administrator, anybody who's in education, whether it be in our church or around. If that's you, I want you to just run down here to the front. Run down here to the front right now because I believe that God has called you. Anybody in that area of influence. Next person is anybody in the healthcare department, any, any, any doctor, nurses, physicians, anybody in that, I want you to run forward. And lastly, lastly is, is, is any entrepreneurs or, or business, small business owners out there right now, God has given you a mouthpiece in this moment. If that's you, that's probably almost everybody's about to come forward. Just come forward, let's go. Okay. We're going to sing this chorus, and then I'm going to pray for every single person. For teachers specifically, God is saying that he is calling you to be Daniels right now, to be excellent in your sphere of influence. But God is anointing you. What you have to understand about Daniel is when he defied the, the order that was given, he went home, opened his doors, and prayed to God. He, he was thrown into the lion's den, but God delivered him so much so that the king changed and rewrote all the rules for the entire land. He said, now the only God we will serve is the God of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the exact same thing. The entire city bowed down, and they said, we're just going to stand. We not, might not be the smartest. We might not be the strongest, but we are just not going to bow to what is happening right now. Because of that. They said the only God we will serve is a God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's teachers, principals, whatever area you are in that department right now. I believe God has called you to be Daniels. And as you stand, as you speak, as you preach, as, as you do those things that God has called you to do, as you, as you stand up and have courage, God is going to anoint you. I believe that the school system is getting turned around. I believe that the public school system is being turned around. And I believe it's going to start in our city of San Diego. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.